Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to 2022. This is the Cisco and Falzon Hour. Welcome, Mr. Falzon. 2022, New Year, New Start. How you been? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You want to go ahead and, and, and um, do your... Um, mem- yes, yes. I would um, like to do in honor of Mr. Neil O'Connor. His official name was Cornelius O'Connor. He had services right. today. He was a well-known, well-loved Tea Party person here in Monmouth County. Uh, he worked at Brookdale. He taught at Brookdale. A, a, a walking encyclopedia of a man, an inspiration to us all. And we're so sorry to see you go, Uncle Neil. Thank you, uh, Ruben. Wow. Well, I know Brookdale, the Brookdale area. It's um, and Brookdale Hospital. I, I did some work over there, some IT work. Um, but anyway, um, more power, and and he's. He's a lot better where he's at than than we are. So, you know, anyway, I was in the same hospital with him at the same time. I didn't know he was there. Wow. Yeah, Riverview. That, oh, Riverview. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they picked up their game. They they were very good with my, with my treatment and with uh, the staff. Yeah, uh, because I had some, I had a miss over there at Riverview, but this was a hit, thank God. Were the hospitals packed? No. Nope. They were not. No, they were not. As a matter of fact, kind of empty. Hmm. Wow. Because, the, you know, the the story we always hear is, oh, they're packed. They're packed. Yeah, right. You know, that's, well, that's, 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 that's that's the the common common uh, message we always get. Well, I've been saying this from day one. They're lying to us about everything. What makes you think they're telling the truth now? Well, then, uh, they haven't been. They don't. They can't. They stop. Yeah. Well, the CDC just came out and said seventy five percent of the COVID cases from the very beginning were of individuals that were not well. You know, they had other issues, their, their morbidity. You know, they said that cases. quite some time ago. Quite some time ago, yeah. they said the actual fatal numbers are like 10%, and everyone ignored it except us. I mentioned it several times. When people talking yes. about, you know, the death rate. No, it was 10% of that. So now, even now, I hear asses on Fox, 900,000 dead. Even Fox can make you sick with this. Well, like I said, I think, I think one of the things that, that came out of t- today's mixed emotion that I have had all day is that on one hand, we're, you know, the exposing, we're exposing these individuals who have been lying, the media, the, the the COVID cultists, you know, you know, you, you hear the Branch Davidians, the David Koresh cultists, well, the COVID cultists, you know, that that are, have been pushing 
this this the jab from the very beginning. But I'll tell you, let me let me give you just a brief uh the the uh a seven year old who died after taking the COVID shot. An eighteen oh year old eight yeah, eighteen year old Brazilian model who who died. Uh, a Brazilian host who, who had a heart attack and then on his way to the hospital he had five heart attacks. Uh and, and, and there's a 26-year-old who took the Pfizer, and then he, he, he passed away uh, very healthy. But you know what's more, more disturbing than that? And that's pretty disturbing. The state of Washington has a bill that they're looking into where, yeah, if sure. you're on jab, where you are on jab, you will be detained and taken to a COVID camp. So look at that. That really is. Uh, I didn't think that, and, and even if you go, you can go to the CDC website, uh, and boom. Let Let's bring on my our guest tonight, uh, Tony Lyons. Tony. This is the Cisco and Falcon Hour of Broadcasting Politics. Welcome to our program. That's great. Thanks so much. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, as I was mentioning, uh, Tony is the president and publisher of Sky Horse, an attorney publisher who used to be a publisher at the Lions Press between 1997 and 2004. And you have come a long way. Uh, <laughs> Pretty important people uh, that you have published books. Woody Allen, Alan Dershowitz, uh, the biography of Philip Roth, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., one of my favorite favorite individuals, with his new title, the new book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And you have written a lot of books, too. Uh, as I was doing some of my research, uh, which is, you know, really great. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Anything else that you want to add to the impressive uh, bio you have? Uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, over the last 15 years, my company has published about 10,000 books. So we've been in this business, you know, for a long time. We've published all kinds of books on all sides of almost all issues. And, uh, you know, what's gotten me to come out and go on to radio shows is that this time seems a lot different than any other time that I've seen where censorship has, has just gotten to be crazy and where anybody who doesn't follow a specific narrative uh, becomes a victim and can get, you know, kicked off mm -hmm. Twitter and YouTube and uh, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, can also have their, their lives ruined. They can lose their jobs, lose their, their livelihood, um, just for having a different point of view. Right. And, uh, and that's a scary time because that's something that you wouldn't expect to see in the United States. I mean, we talk about that kind of thing as if it's something that's, that happens in other places, not here. Well, it's uh, George Orwell, 1984. Yeah, it's it's here now. It's here now. Now, Simon and Schuster, they're, they're, they're basically pretty much mainstream. How have they reacted to books like uh, from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know, the real Anthony Fauci? 
you know, which is like it's the best-selling and the most censored book in America. How, how did they? What was the? I mean, what was the approach? I, I, that was one of my questions for you to dealing with a, a mainstream company like Simon and Chester. Yeah, so they they are not the publisher of uh, of the book. They're just you know they they do back office for us okay. and they do warehousing and shipping. Okay. So, you know, that's a totally separate thing. They have nothing to do with the content. And they they do that for, you know, something like 400 different publishers. And, okay. you know, they have, they have nothing to do with the content of any of those publishers. So, you know, they've, they've, they've done the right thing, which is just to, to, to not be involved. You know, that's what their, their contracts say that, you know, this is not their issue. Their, their issue is just to ship books and warehouse books. And it's, so, so it's Got a it. subset of, of Simon and Schuster. Right. Okay. So how, how, how does, how do you get on the best, become the best selling book on the New York times bestseller? How, how does that work? I mean, I, I, I would believe that there's some politics behind that. Yeah. So generally, let me just start off by saying that, you know, the real Anthony Fauci, the subtitle is, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health by Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. So, um, you know, what's fascinating here is that the book has sold 700,000 copies in seven weeks. It's been over that seven-week period, it's been the best-selling book in America. So there hasn't been any other book during that time frame that sold more than 700,000 books. And... So it was number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, number one on the USA Today bestseller list, number one on Publishers Weekly bestseller list, and and lots of other bestseller lists. The fascinating backstory is that it it wound up being number seven on the New York Times bestseller list because the New York Times allows censorship – to knock books down on its bestseller list because they, they, they have a kind of an algorithm that uh, favors specific small privately held stores, which they have, they've always had that system. But the difference now is that most of those stores uh, censor books like this. So they censor it in the sense that they boycott it, they refuse to buy it, and they won't even take orders. For people who call them up or stop in the store and ask them to order it for them. So they won't even order it from a wholesaler, which is easy to do. They could mm. get it in, in one to two days. But in, in many cases, they've refused to do that. So it's very hard to make it onto the bestseller list with the New York Times if many of the stores that they amplify. So they're not using raw data. So basically, the New York Times bestseller list becomes more like a recommended reading list that they have all of these other ways of calculating what the best-selling book is separately from a place like, like the wall street journal or USA today that just use numbers from uh, NPD book scan, which just is cash register sales. They don't care where they're from. It's just Mm. sort of a national uh, list of which books sold the most copies. So, you can get on the bestseller list with the New York Times selling a very small number of copies if you sell them in the right places. So so generally, if it's a book that the New York Times really likes, 
that's very likely to be on the New York Times bestseller list, and it's it's very likely to be in small privately held uh, uh, bookstores skewed towards the readership of the New York Times. So anyway, that's a oh, long so way of saying. So basically, what it's sort of a, 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 oh, 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 hold on. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a question for you, uh, uh, Tony. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say that. Uh, Obviously, the fix is in with the times. We all know it. You know, we all see the media doctoring audio tapes, doctoring videotapes, doctoring statements. And I just wanted to say, as far as Fauci goes, to me, he now he is fully NFG because I heard him utter a sarcastic remark about January 6th. So he's in with Pelosi. He's in with Schiff. He's in with the whole rotten, stinking criminal crowd. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Dr. Fauci has a very specific narrative, and he doesn't feel that he has to negotiate that narrative. So he thinks that, for, and, and he says publicly that he represents science, and if you disagree with yeah. him in any way, you're anti-science, you're, you're a lunatic, um, he, he, he calls people names. I mean, he, he sounds almost like a high school student. So, you know, he, this is a book that comes out that is, um, you know, that is a very serious, meticulously researched book. And, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. worked on this book seven days a week, 16 hours a day for nine months of his life. I mean, this is an intense project. And, you know, all of these places from the New York Times to the Wall Street Journal to, you know, all of the major newspapers, the major networks, the big tech platforms, small bookstores, libraries, they all want to call it misinformation. <laughs> so misinformation becomes, when you hear that word now, you should recognize that it's often used as a code word for censorship, meaning it's something that doesn't follow the mainstream narrative because this is a book that has nothing to do with misinformation. I mean, this has 2,194 citations. It's got blurbs from doctors and lawyers and scientists. It was really carefully vetted. It's even got a blurb from a Nobel Prize winner. So, you know, how can this be misinformation? This is just different information, and this is information that – Powerful people in this country don't want you to read. Big Pharma doesn't want you to read this. Dr. Fauci is afraid that people will read this. And so all that he can come back with, the only thing that he said about this book when he was asked is he said, uh, Mr. Kennedy is a very disturbed man. Yeah. So, you know, but then this is the same person who, when he's talking to an elected official, you know, to a U.S. congressperson, he calls the person a moron. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this is somebody who was not elected. He's, he's the highest paid unelected. Well, I mean, he's, he's the hot, highest paid uh, official, government official in the United States, even higher than the president. And he's got a retirement package that he, mm -hmm. he will make $350,000 per year for the rest of his life at a, at a minimum. Um, and that was in, in Forbes. So, you know, this is a very complicated story, but 
it's, you know, this book shows that Dr. Fauci doesn't really care, doesn't really do public health, that he's not trying to maximize public health. He's trying to maximize return on investment for his pharmaceutical partners, and that he's done that over a 50-year period. So that, you know, this is a book claiming corruption at the highest levels of government. And what you see, which is fascinating, is you see all the major newspapers uh, rally behind him. They don't review the book. They don't investigate any of the really serious allegations in this book. But what they do is they come out with hit pieces trying to discredit Robert F. Kennedy Jr., vilifying him in every way they can, trying to manipulate the public into discrediting and discounting what's in this book so that they don't believe that there can be any debate whatsoever. And they want to just, you know, make sure that nobody takes this book seriously. But in the end, that's not working. And, you know, what you see is that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has this authenticity that comes from the fact that he has nothing to gain from the work that he does. So he isn't making one penny on this book. He's donating all of his royalties to charity. He's worked, like I said before, around the clock for months and months and months with no personal benefit, only because he wants to protect the American public from these greedy big pharma executives and from these corrupt public officials. Whereas, you know, Dr. Fauci is all about money. And you don't mm-hmm. have to take my word for it. You can take his word for it. So his favorite book, according to him, and he says it repeatedly, is The Godfather. And his favorite line in that book is, it's not personal, it's just business. So <laughs> here is the most powerful public health official in the world telling everybody repeatedly that what he cares about is business, not about people. So, you know, that's a scary thing that, you know, this is somebody who cares about power, about business, about control. He's anti-democratic. He doesn't believe in any kind of dialogue. He doesn't believe in any kind of dissent. He doesn't believe that there should be any alternative voices. But, you know, anybody who's done any real research, I mean, any true scientist, knows that you don't believe in science, you believe in the scientific process. And that's right. a messy, complicated process that is all about accepting all kinds of voices, a, a real diversity of opinion, because we don't know the truth in science. And especially now, now more than ever, we're just not sure what's going on. And we need every possible viewpoint to be examined, and we, we need every possible remedy or drug to be really well examined. And what Dr. Fauci has shown, and, and it's clear in, in this book, and, you know, if you believe what's in this book, you will see that time after time what Dr. Fauci did was ignore viable remedies, mm-hmm. many of them unpatented, because what he cared about was steering the whole world towards expensive remedies, expensive vaccines, where there was a lot of money to be made for his pharmaceutical partners. And, you know, that's a really scary allegation. But, you know, what you have is 
Dr. Fauci with incredible power. So if he disagreed with the things in this book, if he could make a better argument, and if he could disprove them, he would do it because he has the bully pulpit. I mean, he can get up. He can be on the front page of the New York Times seven days in a row. He can be on every major TV show anytime he wants. So if he could answer the allegations that have been made against him, he would do that. He wouldn't have to do what he's been doing. He wouldn't have to call people names. He wouldn't have to run from these allegations. And so what's going to have to happen at some point is they're going to have to be congressional hearings. And somebody's going to have to get to the bottom of whether these charges are actually valid, because if they're valid, it's incredibly scary, not only for public health in America, but all around the world, but also for democracy, that everything that Dr. Fauci appears to stand for is anti-democratic. It's about, it's his way or the highway. And if you disagree, you know, like I said before, you can lose everything. You can lose your career. You, You can lose your platform. You can lose the ability to connect with other people because if you can't be on any big tech platform, if you can't advertise in newspapers or, or online, and, you know, in, in many cases, if you can't get things published, if you can't get funding for your scientific research, then, you know, how do you do research as a scientist? So, you know, he's got so much power, and this book makes such incredibly scary claims that, that, I, that I think it's, it's time for congressional hearings and it's time for investigative journalists to stop investigating the messengers of these kinds of stories and these kinds of narratives, but investigating the claims that are actually in the books. Sorry, well, I've gone so far. No, 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 Tony, Tony, I, I'm, I'm just so happy that you – you can take, you can go on, but I do I do want to mention something. I think what you just said in regards to what he, uh, what Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, the former head of his boss, when they went after the the doctors from the the Great Barrington uh, disclosure, exactly they they went after that, and Dr. Uh, Dr. Paul Rand Paul basically called them out on that, and he 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 would not answer. But I think one of the most important things that I've seen is independent publishers like yourself, independent journalists, investigators, we have, they have got, and I give a lot of credit to to you guys, because you have been there, along with Robert Kennedy Jr., to exposing what, what the verdict of what happened today in the Supreme Court. That I attribute all to individuals like you and everyone else who has been out there uh, exposing the lies. Yeah, I mean, what I what I think's going on now is a is a very scary thing. It's 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 also you know it's the destruction of democracy, and it's the destruction of debate. But it's also, in the end, the destruction of science because. You know, even you, you have even Supreme Court justices who use these sort of catchphrases that are catchphrases for censorship, where mm-hmm. they're saying, trust the experts, believe the science. You know, that that's coming from three Supreme Court justices where, right. you know, 
it's been shown that the science is is controlled and the science is is not the best science necessarily it's the science that Dr. Fauci and that other very powerful people are willing to fund and so if you can't get funding and if you can't have a platform and if you can't publish and advertise and get on TV shows then how is your voice going to be heard? So we're only hearing a very narrow range of voices. And so they say, trust the experts. But who are these experts? These are experts who appear to be bought and paid for. And, right. you know, in this book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the real Anthony Fauci, you know, it shows you how there's this regulatory capture, meaning that the big pharmaceutical companies the research institutions have captured the regulators. So the, the regulators are, in, in essence, you know, under control so that they can do, so that these companies and these specific researchers can do whatever they want. And Dr. Fauci can do whatever he wants with whoever he decides to do it with. And that becomes science. And so we can't believe captured science. You know, we can believe science, which is, you know, a fully uh, authoritative science based on, on a really wide array of voices, you know, a disparate array of voices where people disagree with each other and they argue it through and there's intense debate and there's equal funding for all the different voices. That's a different yeah. kind of science. And that's not the science we have now. The kinds of science we, we have now are, you know, plagued by these incredible financial entanglements that, that have destroyed science and have destroyed scientific research. And, and we need to come back from that. And we need to reform that so that we can have real science that maybe we, we, we could believe in for some period of time. But, you know, even then, science is always changing and it's always evolving. And we need to always be open to those changes and those improvements in it. Right. As long as, as long as science and there's funding coming from pharma, big pharma, or from other, uh, uh, other government sources, anyone who's the scientist, the scientists will not go against whoever is funding them. Of course not. That's, and, and, you know, it's remarkable, but most people do not understand that idea that that actually happens. But the people who do stand up, they, they become the, the villains. So they, they become the people who are attacked. So when you look at these people who are getting, you know, uh, who are vilified, who are the subject of, of hit pieces in, in magazines and newspapers and online, you, you have to start wondering why are they being attacked so strongly? You know, if they were just wrong and if their ideas were, were just sort of pedestrian ideas that are, are easily disregarded, then you could just disprove them. You wouldn't have to try to destroy them. You wouldn't have to deal with them in the way that they're being dealt with now because you just have a better argument in, in, the, in the free flow of ideas in a democratic society. You know, you would, you would outthink them. There would be a national debate uh, in, a, in a forum that was fair, 
and, and, and the outcome of that would be that people would trust the person who made the better argument. But I, but I, but I, think, uh, I think we've come a long way so far in a positive, uh, in a positive way uh, because I don't think if we had the independ- independent media, independent publishers like you, uh, we would have lost. We would have lost today. Uh, that Supreme Court decision would have gone against us. Uh, I, I just think that the, the narrative, and I and I and I have exp- expressed this on the show, the COVID the COVID narrative has been exposed, and they're losing. It's collapsing. It's collapsing. I mean, when you have European regulators saying, "Oh." We must think about uh, COVID being just like the seasonal flu. Then we have Bill Gates saying the same thing. I think they're losing the COVID narrative. What, yeah, what, 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 I, I actually take? think that there's something to that, 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 that it's, it's being lost in, in lots of different ways. And, and the censorship really isn't working because censorship, you know, in the long run never works because people – are smarter than that. People see what's going on. And so what happens is there's sort of like an uprising, and that uprising, that revolt, that civil disobedience kind of becomes uh, people going to all kinds of alternative platforms, that they're tired of people getting kicked off Twitter uh, and, and all of the other platforms. So they're, they're open to getting their information anywhere they can get it and they tend to trust things that are less mainstream. And that becomes a whole shift of, of power so that, you know, reading a book like Robert F. Kennedy's book or listening to a radio show like yours or, you know, listening to, to Joe Rogan, um, yeah. you know, these, these become acts of, you know, of, of, of a political nature, you know, that, that people are just – showing that they're tired of being told what to do, tired of being told what to think or what to read, and, you know, certainly tired of being told what not to read. And, and they're just not having it anymore. I mean, they're, they're finding the information and they're believing what they in their hearts think is true, and they're finding information on both sides and they're weighing things like people are supposed to do in a democracy and right. they're coming to their own conclusions, and and I and I do think that that that's part of why you can have results like you had today, and you know those those results do show that that there's sort of hope for right. you know debate to actually have a good resolution. Definitely, uh, two five four. Do you have a question for Tony? Not yet. All right. I wanted I wanted to touch on another aspect of what's going on. Um, when it comes to to publishing books like uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. from from his perspective, because I know you, you you know you know him and everything, how does he see where this is going to end? Have you spoken to him about where where is this going to end? I mean, where is this really? You know, some people have said you know this is part of the Great Reset part of the depopulation agenda. Uh, I'm curious to find out because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a very, very 
you know, he's been more pro-climate change. And then, you know, he's a Democrat. But also, at the same time, he's now being called an anti-jabber. Yeah, so, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., like a lot of activists, like a lot of people who are, who are doing things that they believe are right and trying to help the American people and, and doing it with, like I said before, no benefit to themselves, no financial conflicts of interest. I mean, this is just costing him money. There's, there's nothing in it for him. And he's up against all of these forces that are so well-funded that, you know, that they can buy people, that can buy organizations, mm-hmm. that can buy governments. And it's amazing that these groups and, and these people are not succeeding with that, that when people do things out of passion and, and out of real conviction, you know, that gives you a certain kind of strength. And if you're just doing something for money, you know, that, that isn't real power because at, at some point maybe somebody else pays you more money. I mean, you're, you're not doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. You're, you're not following science because you believe, you know, science is, is somehow vital to the future of, of, of people's health. You know, you're just trying to make money, and there's a real weakness in that in the long run, and that's why, why censorship doesn't work ultimately corruption doesn't prevail and i and i and i think that that's really what bobby kennedy is part of that i don't think that he's concerned with results in the sense that i don't think he's concerned with consequences he just wants to do the right thing and he right. wants to fight to make things better fantastic uh can you provide us with your website and how we can uh, purchase the real Anthony Fauci and any other book that our listening audience is, uh, would be interested? Yeah, sure. So uh, our website is www.skyhorsepublishing.com. You can purchase the real Anthony Fauci. Um, probably the best place now is to do it through Amazon. Uh, okay. The problem is that so many other places have totally censored it and, and won't carry it, so you just can't, can't get it there. So, um, and, you know, for anybody who just wants to kind of read through some of the stories but, but doesn't want to, you know, lay out the money for a, for a hardcover book, we have made the ebook $2.99 so that, you know, virtually anybody in the world who wants to read this story and, and hear what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. believes is going on in the world now and in public health over the last five decades with Dr. Fauci, they can download this, this e-book in 30 seconds anywhere on the planet for you know, a, a very, very low and reasonable price. Wow. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, we, will, we will post it on, um, on, on our website. And uh, that information, so anyone who's out there, please get the book. Uh, I will be purchasing the book because uh, I, really, I really admire Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, I think he's doing a great job. I considered him 
Dr. McCulloch, Dr. Malone, and Dr. Mullen, who's the inventor of the PCR test, who basically stated that the PCR test was not for COVID testing, and then they censored it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, and, and I've, I've been censored just for complaining about censorship. <laughs> You know, yeah. which is almost like a weird kind of <laughs> twist of, of of fate. That if you 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 stand up and you complain that there's censorship in the world, you can be censored for saying that. It's 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 some somehow wrong and dangerous and and misinformation to say that there's censorship in America, even though we all know there is. Right, right. Uh, that is, I've been banned myself. <laughs> For being outspoken. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to touch base with you uh, is, you know, the state of Washington. I, I, I'm not sure a lot of people know about this, but I'm a, I'm a researcher, and, and, I, and I tend to try to research as much as I can and, and bring it out in our program and get it out to people. But one of the things that I, I have found, uh, I've learned lately is that the 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 state of Washington under Governor Island, he is basically setting up COVID camps, and there's a bill that is being proposed in the in the Washington State Legislature, uh, Legislature that will basically pull anyone anyone who has uh, has been unvaccinated to be arrested. To be yeah, I mean, I I, I think you know all of that kind of stuff is is crazy, and I and I think that you know there has to be freedom of choice, there has to be freedom of opinion, um, you know, there has to be freedom of speech, and you know these are principles that this country was based on, was was founded on, and and I think that that we all need to fight for these principles. And it's easy during a crisis to say, let's get rid of all of them for now, just for now while there's a crisis. But the thing is, once you go down that road, you're going towards 1984. You're, you're going towards a world where you don't have the kinds of rights that you have come to, to believe you had. And, you know, so the problem is once you give up rights, it's hard to get them back. Mhm. Yeah, uh, like Ronald Reagan said, you know, freedom can be gone in the next election, something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I think that there's something to that 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 you know, the whole free speech struggle over over many many years was um, was that you protected the free speech of people who you disagreed with because you, you believed in free speech and you wanted to be sure that when people disagreed with you, they wouldn't have the opportunity to take away your free speech. So, you know, what it is now is that people are saying, well, we can't afford to have free speech because, you know, these are such difficult times. We need to just listen to the experts. But, you know, as we've discussed, you know, that's a flawed way of viewing the world, and ultimately it's a, it's a fascist way of viewing the world because 
you know, it's a question of who's experts and who's truth. And if it's just about power and if it's just about leaders who can, you know, get rid of any dissent, then what are you left with? You know, even if, even if you believe that those scientists know more, what are you really left with in, in the end? You're left with a, with a country that you don't want to live in anymore. Definitely. Uh, 254, you have a question now for Tony Lott. Mm, I have a comment. Um, I was watching Fauci since uh, Trump was in, and I never really liked the guy because he always had a smirk on his face. And I felt he wasn't doing anything except standing there having a smirk on his face and not try to help the Americans with his so-called vac- vaccination or uh, virus. Sorry, I, 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 I do think that, that Dr. Fauci, you know, does have sort of like a, a way of not answering questions and, <laughs> and sort of like a, an attitude that he's above the law, that he doesn't have to answer questions, that he doesn't answer to anybody. He represents science, sure. and you have to believe in science. And if you believe in science, you believe in him and you do whatever he tells you to do. And, you know, even President Biden sort of made it sound like, oh, Dr. Fauci is the real president now because we're, we're in this time of, of crisis and the main issue is public wow. health and, and he's the public health czar. So, you know, I don't think that deep down that's what Americans want. And I don't think that if people read this book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that they will want to have somebody like Dr. Fauci as their leader in any sense of that word. And they will see through reading this book the terrible things that have been done in our name all around the world, that there was experimenting Mm -hmm. on people in in Africa and Central America and South America, people who who were poor, people who couldn't make decisions for themselves were mistreated and and in and in some cases um that are laid out in this book people died uh because they were experimented on and he presided over this kind of medical imperialism and you know i think on so many different levels there has to be some kind of reckoning and once again you know if these claims are untrue uh Dr. Fauci can certainly disprove them. He, he has the ability to get his message out. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. struggles against all odds and against all forms of censorship to get his claims out, but it isn't hard for Dr. Fauci. And so what you see when you see him smirking and you feel irritated by that, what you're seeing is somebody who feels that they're above the law, that they're above reproach, and that they don't have to answer to anybody. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you me. know what, wait, I wanted to yeah. chime in. Um, I've been listening to a Dr. Scott Atlas, who was part yeah. of the uh, uh, campaign by the then legitimately elected president, because we don't have one now, 
And he was relaying uh, tales of him in these conferences with Fauci and these other uh, arch criminals and how they were constantly discrediting him, silencing him, ignoring him, and even insulting him because he wasn't going with the current criminal narrative that uh, is being perpetuated on us. And uh, I think he even wrote a book, and this Kennedy book is terrific, and Scott Atlas's book will probably be along the same lines. Yeah, there are, there are lots of books coming out, and, and I would highly recommend that people read books that, that sort of scare them, that they think are dangerous, that have different points of view than their own, because, you know, that's how you learn, and that's how democracy is supposed to work. And, you know, whether the debate is kind of internal or whether there's a national debate, there needs to be debate, and there need to be different points of view that are explored. And that's really what this book is, is doing. You know, this is a book that is looking at things from all different sides. And, you know, at the end of each chapter, there's a QR code, and you can scan it with your phone, and you will get to a page at the Children's Health Defense website, which yes. is, which is uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, uh, nonprofit. And what you get then is um, – is the latest science that has to do with each chapter. So you get people who have written in disagreeing with something in a particular chapter. So you're getting something that is really democratic, something that is, that is open and something that is willing to explore any kind of interesting ideas about each of the subjects covered in the book versus what you get with Dr. Fauci is a list of things that you have to do with no explanation, no dialogue, no criticism, nothing. Yeah, I mean, if we want to be Australia, if we want to be Austria, or if we want to be North Korea, then, then we would follow Fauci's position because of all the countries in the world, I never thought for one moment that Australia would turn into a medical uh, tyranny. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, so so I think that, you know, this book, um, you know, is, you know, sort of becomes that that reading books like this, like I said before, listening to shows like yours, listening to alternative media, going on to alternative platforms, taking some of the, the power from these platforms that are, censoring people so, so terribly, you know, is a first step towards, towards a world that is more democratic and, and that does have more room for debate. And that, you know, reading these alternative uh, narratives becomes this act of revolt and almost a, a rebellion against a, a trend that is not good for this country and not good for this world nope. and leads to to worse health leads to you know likely more poverty less freedom i mean it's bad on every level definitely definitely i mean and it's uh, but i think again uh the the whole mo- notion of the covid narrative 
we're seeing it in Japan. Japan just told their people, we're not going to mandate anyone. We're not going to discriminate between unjab and jab folks, vaccinated or unvaccinated. I mean, we're starting to see that the rats are, are, are basically fleeing the ships. We're beginning to see that. I think that's a very positive thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that there are a lot of positive trends, and 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 that there's a there's a big sort of movement towards refusing to just follow the mainstream narrative on important issues. That people are demanding more information from a wider variety of sources so that they can make better decisions for themselves and for their families. And, and that I think is, is a good thing. And that I think is, is a, is a positive development. Well, it's, it's, it's something that, that really captured my attention tonight. Mark just told me, I asked him, he was in the hospital. I said, were the hospitals packed? Because everything that we're hearing on the mainstream media is Hospitals are overrun. Oh my God! There's a staff. Sh- you know the staff cannot keep up with it. Well, unfortunately, you guys got rid of a lot of the staff. Now you've created a crisis. But then, Mark, you, you mentioned the hospitals were empty, right? Yes, it was very quiet. Um, <laughs> the lobbies, the emergency room were completely empty. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's that fear-mongering, uh, Tony, that I see that it, 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 it's – and people are nervous. I, people are scared. I, I, I can understand that. But it comes to a point, and I've had listeners basically say, oh, you know, it's like uh, I had enough of this. I, I, I took the first one. I took the second one. And, and third, I'm not taking it. And I think it's getting to a point. I mean – what is this, endless boosters? I don't remember taking a vaccine where I had to take boosters after boosters. Have you? No, I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> if you look at a, at a book like Robert Kennedy's book, it's not an anti-vaccine book. This is an anti-corruption book. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a book about medical safety and vaccine safety, you know. Right. And so all of these things get get twisted because, you know, there's a narrative and that that narrative is a very powerful one and it's developed by very powerful people and very powerful groups and they'll do anything that they can to enforce that view of the world. And so they will call somebody anti-vaccine when in fact they're just people who are investigating vaccine safety. And there can't be anything wrong with that. I mean, we should all want our drugs and our vaccines and, and anything else, any other product to, to be, you know, well-researched re- and to be as safe as it can possibly be. And we would want unbiased people, people who don't have financial conflicts, uh, regulated by government branches that are not captured by the pharmaceutical companies or any other companies that are just trying to make money. So, you know, these are, these are, these are complicated issues, but, but I think that there are things worth fighting for. 
Definitely. I, I want to ask you in regards to Alan Dershowitz. He's one of my favorite um, lawyers out there. I, I know you're, you, you're, you are an attorney. Mr. Dershowitz, in regards to these views, how, where, where does he stand? You know, I, I really can't talk for Alan Dershowitz, so, you know, I, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to leave that, that question. Okay. But, you know, my, my, my point is, so, I mean, we uh, published two books uh, that, okay. I, that I think are, are really important books, and, and, and part of what I've been saying is that, you know, so we published books on both sides of the same issue. So we published Alan Dershowitz's book called The Case for Vaccine Mandates. And oh, then we okay. published Kent Heckenlively's book, The Case Against Vaccine Mandates. So, you know, there you have two prominent lawyers arguing from a legal perspective, not, not from a health perspective necessarily, but from a legal perspective whether vaccine mandates uh, should be legal. And, you know, these kinds of books and, you know, these kinds of issues need to be thought through, need to be investigated, and shouldn't just be decided for us, that we should be able in a democratic society to have a voice in, in, in these kinds of things, to have some kind of negotiating power. And that's what's not happening now, is that I've seen as a book publisher, you know, that when I come out with two books that argue opposites, so when I came out with a book called the case against masks, that book was censored in every conceivable way so that it was impossible to find it anywhere. And then we did the case for masks, and people loved it, and it was stacked up and available anywhere. So, you know, that, that's a terrible trend. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people being able to read both sides of an argument. I mean, there are always two sides, and they're often – really good arguments that people haven't thought of, that even government officials haven't thought of, that doctors and lawyers haven't thought of. And that's, that's why we have a democracy, because right. we don't know the answers. We don't, we don't know the truth. And we're, we're not trying to act like we just know the truth. And, and, and we're not willing to accept that somebody else does. We want information to be given to us you know, in, in an even-handed way, without corruption, without censorship, so that we can make good decisions ourselves. I apologize for that, but I, I think I, I, I wanted, I don't know, I, I like Alan Dershowitz a lot, but I think I was referring to more the book you wrote with Lewis Content, The Vaccine Injuries, The Documented Adver Adverse Reactions to Vaccine. Uh, as we're seeing a lot of cases, I mean, this week I've seen five cases. One, a Brazilian model, 18 years old, healthy. She died of a heart attack. All these professional players dying of heart attacks after taking the, the vaccine. A uh, 26-year-old in South Dakota dying. For, so the vaccine injury book that you wrote, uh, how was that? How was that well taken, or was it not well taken by, uh, of course, your your critic? Yeah, that that book came out, and it was met with uh, with a deafening silence. So <laughs> there was no response to it. And and point of that that book wasn't to 
to be anti-vaccine. It wasn't to, to, to really say anything other than there's a side to vaccination that is not being well covered. And so this is, this is a book that is, is purely uh, documented cases of people who have been injured. So the idea there is just to show that people are told that there's no risk whatsoever and that that just isn't true. So whether it's a reasonable risk is, is something people can decide. And, you know, but the point is always that you have to have the information or the decisions you, you make are not going to be nearly as good as they mm-hmm. could be. So if, if you're told time after time that there are no vaccine injuries, that nobody ever gets harmed, you know, that just isn't true. So if you're told that it's relatively rare, well, maybe that's true. So, you know, but we have to have the access to information so that we can look at the data and look at it with respect to our own bodies and our own families and say, given what I know about myself and given what I now know about risk, is there some correlation? Is the risk higher for me than it would be for somebody else? Those, I think, are, you know, are decisions that you should be allowed to make by yourself in consultation with a doctor and, and that that shouldn't come from the government. And, you know, that's about freedom. That's, that's you know, not about anything else. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's why I, I worked on that book. Right. So w- where, do you, where do you see uh, the next big publishing book uh, on the horizon? Uh, how do you see this playing out? in the next six to 12 months uh, from your perspective? Yeah, it's a tough, tough question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that this latest variant, uh, which has been, you know, relatively mild is, is the first step towards, uh, towards a different world, towards sort of uh, coming back to a more, rational world that, um, you know, that is going to be easier to, to live in. And what I just hope and, and what I want to fight for and what I think, you know, all of your listeners ought to fight for is that we don't lose too many of our rights in this transition, mm-hmm. you know, in this transition back to a normal life. Fantastic. One more, uh, one more time. Your website and where we can purchase the book and the ebook. Yeah, so the book is called "The Real Anthony Fauci" by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You can download the ebook at uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and you know any place else that that books are sold, uh, provided that those places haven't censored it. But <laughs> um, uh, you know, like I said before. You can download the ebook for two dollars and ninety nine cents. So you know anybody who wants to just kind of dip into it, read some of the stories, see what they believe. That's a great way to do it. Fantastic, Tony. Thank you for coming on from your busy time, and good luck in New York City. All right. Thanks Wish so much the- for having me on. 
All right, Tony. Yeah, I wanted to say we're sponsored by Students for a Better Future. Fantastic. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one. Next week, we'll have another special guest on the Cisco and Falso Hour. Have a good day. God bless America. Thank you, too. Bye-bye.